I became very excited that people would discover that they had inner power and that they could cause things and they weren't victims in the universe and that we're all connected and that there's some bigger purpose for why we're here and that we could make a contribution. You're listening to Getting It Wrong to Get It Right. Marsha Martin, my next guest, has a resume that most people would be envious of. She has worked with some of the greats. She is also an international speaker, an international best-selling author. This lady has worked with Warner Brothers. She has been an executive director on The Secret and so much more. But what really impressed me when I was doing my research for this interview was how down-to-earth this woman was. How wonderful to be here and such an honor. Thank you so much. As we know, we have, we have a mutual friend who introduced me to one or two of your videos because I was speaking to him about trust, commitment, being authentic. And he said, you got to listen to this person, this person. <laughs> and I, when, I, when I listened to some of your videos and I'd done some research, how humble you were and how honest you are, and how authentic you are in your delivery to help so many people. You've coached so many people, like Tony Robbins, you know, which is a, I'm a big fan of. And where did it all begin for you? Wow. That's a loaded question because I have a very unique history. I was out with a friend at dinner last night, and I was sharing some of it, and I was realizing myself as I heard myself speak, wow, first of all, I had um, some training originally from a, a distant cousin who I called Aunt Gladys. And she was a clairvoyant healer and an esoteric astrologist. And she taught me and interned me to be able to understand wisdom and healing and meditation. So from an early age, I kind of had a different perspective on life than most young people get. She told me I must study all the world religions because each person had their own way of being with God and that God never changed, but the way they were with God or how they understood God varied depending on the different points of view. And that if I was to be really successful as a human being, I would need to learn how to speak to all of those points of views. So she had me research and study world religions and master philosophers and great beings of wisdom. And then it just seemed to flow from there. You know, I happened to be at the right place at the right time. But I think looking back, of course I was, because I was in touch with that part of me that she taught me about, that was my own personal connection to infinite source that really allowed me to have that come through me. And so if I was present in the moment, and I trusted that deeper part of who I was, I made mostly good decisions and ended up in great places. And then when I was a very young girl in my early 20s, I met Werner Erhard, who was the founder of EST, which later became the Landmark Forum. And I attended his first training. There were 20 of us in that first training. It was a two-weekend training. It was the first time he'd ever led a training. And it was the first time I'd ever done any human potential movement kinds of personal educational programs. 
But what I noticed in being in that training, and it was about responsibility and being able to cause something and and committing to things and taking a stand and making a difference and communicating with clarity and being authentic. What I noticed was that he was really using a format of personal education training to train the masses in the same kinds of things that I had learned individually from my aunt. And so I became very excited that people would discover that they had inner power and that they could cause things and they weren't victims in the universe and that we're all connected and that there's some bigger purpose for why we're here and that we could make a contribution. And so, of course, I started just bringing everybody to the guest seminars and I brought so many people to the guest seminars that you know, within a couple of weeks, Werner said, I'm hiring you. <laughs> and that became a journey for the next 10 years where I was senior vice president. And we started with our 20 graduates. And by the time I left us, there were millions of graduates worldwide. And I was managing over 5,000 people in the communication registration division. And I was in charge of production, promotion, PR, filling events, training the trainers in sales and communication, running the guest seminar leaders program. And so it just, it started, I think, like how a forest happens. You know, it starts with one seed and then pretty soon there's another seed and another tree and pretty soon there's a gigantic forest. That's how my education and my training to be a senior executive happened. It started just a little bit, and I was speaking in front of two or three people. In fact, we did our first guest seminars. I would be on the dresser in the bedroom, and the guests would be on the bed, and I would tell them about the training and then enroll them. Then we moved into hotel rooms and then to conference centers, and so it became, well, first I was speaking in front of three people, then 50, then 150, then 2,000, then 3,000, and everything else worked in that same way. First, I had one employee and, you know, I had several departments, but I remember I put this organizational chart on my wall because Werner had said that my job was included everything from when a person did not know anything at all about EST, which later became the landmark forum, to the time that they were actually in the training. So I figured out in my head, oh, let's see, well, that means sales. Well, that means promotion. Well, that means PR. Well, that means registration. Well, that means, and I laid out all of these departments of my division. And then I put my name in every single box, except for one. I had a copywriter. I ran the creative department. So, you know, I was in charge of all the collateral materials and creating and making them. So I put my name as creative director. And then I had a copywriter and it was my first employee, Neil Rogan. And then it just was the most brilliant thing to have done without me even knowing it, because by doing that, I had made a distinction on the different jobs so that when I did hire someone to fill that box instead of me, I knew exactly what that box was and what that job description was and what things they should take over and not take over. So it was 10 years of that. And it was amazing. I've interviewed like you know, Greg Braden, uh, Neil Donald Walsh, um, and I've interviewed some great people in that sort of spiritual realm. And, and you know, it's interesting that you say that inner power, because I think we all have that inner power. And sometimes we forget 
that we have something internally because we're looking externally all the time. And when we stop and take that pause in the moment, we actually then can understand that we have that inner power. So for inner power, could you elaborate on what inner power means to you? I can. It's 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 the basis of all of my teaching, really, because I think that people have a place within themselves that if they go to, they can connect to the rest of the universe and they can actually feel and and be aware of the connection that we're all one. And that that whatever a person calls their higher meaning, their higher purpose, their higher being, whatever it is that they relate to as whatever runs the universe, that that piece is is you get to that peace and that connection by going inward, not by going outward. And how I talk about commitment is a lot of people, when they decide what they're committed to, they will look to see what the circumstances are, and the circumstances will determine what they can be committed to. So if I say to someone, are you committed to increasing sales by 20%, they probably will say, well, let me see if I have the right team. Let me see if I can get the right budget approved. Let me see if I have the right tools. All of those are external circumstances that they're looking at so they can determine what their commitment can be. And what I teach people is that commitment comes first. First, you take a stand. You don't look at how you're going to accomplish it or what the circumstances are. You look to see what is your stand? What is your commitment? Who are you being? What are you being that for? And if you take that stand and are committed in the world of being, you will cause the right circumstances. So rather than your commitment being at the effect of what your circumstances are, I teach people to have their commitment determine their circumstances. And then it's a process of really accessing and harnessing that inner power because it takes discipline. We look at the universe and the events happening in the universe around us as something that makes us a particular way or makes us act in a particular way or makes us feel a particular way. But the truth is, all of those events, whether it's somebody yelling at you or, you know, a snowstorm or the fact that somebody told you you just lost your job, those events are happening around us. When those events trigger us by tapping into old events that happened in our past, we have an automatic system as a human being that allows us to survive. And what that system is, is that when those old events get triggered, then that event takes over and we go on automatic. And we pull up the old behaviors that we used the last time that thing happened, that it looks like it's the same thing now. And then those old behaviors come forth. So when we're triggered, what happens is we're really on automatic, just like default in a computer. It's a certain font size you have on automatic or you have on default. And so I know, well, if that looks like somebody's threatening me, I should act in this way. I'm going to go on automatic default and use my old behavior. And so we react. But like you said, there's a moment where if you consider, wait a minute, if I'm triggered, if I'm upset, if I'm angry, if I'm feeling like I have to do something, that's a reaction. So before I actually act, what I need to do is center myself. I need to get open, present, and connected. I need to get back in the present moment. Do that first, 
before you take any action. If that happens and you can get yourself back to center rather than being triggered, then you have the capacity to choose a response. And when you choose a response, you can choose any response. You really can choose how you're going to respond to something. And and we all have a choice, even if the only choice we have is how we're going to respond in this particular situation. We might not have the choice of what the situation is. But if we're responsible and disciplined, we can choose what the response is. Ever dreamed of having your own podcast? Look no further. Our comprehensive podcast course will guide you through the process of building your reputation, growing your brand, and connecting with your network. With our course, you'll learn everything you need to know about creating a successful podcast, including choosing the right equipment, crafting engaging content, recording and editing techniques, marketing and promotion strategies, and many more. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just starting out, our course is designed to help you take your podcast to the next level. Don't miss out on this opportunity to build your brand and connect with your audience. Enroll in our course today. It, it's interesting you say this because when I talk about commitment, I say to people, first, you need to, before you go and do anything, you need to get a sheet of paper and write down the word, what am I committed to? And you may call that your why. And then before you actually go and do something, what happens is there's a process in your mind which is conscious and subconscious, like an architect developing or designing a building or say someone who's going to write a song that it's already computed in their mind. You know, an architect will de-architraise the windows. And when you visualize this in your mind, then you put that on paper. And that then is the formula of what you need to do to be committed to something. And commitment is already taken part internally and then you need to act out but part of commitment is life is a shit show there is things in life that will screw you up yeah and there will be things in life that will hit you in the face and you'll go holy cow that's just it is part of that process that you have to kind of go okay i've learned this and what's hit me has been really painful but i have to take it as a lesson for moving forward and i use that example of something happened recently to myself as well that made me made a decision to take a different direction but in Mm. taking that different direction i realized that it was a blessing in disguise so it was divine divinity god my intuition pushing me back on the path so commitment you know has many different faces but i think it's what we all need to do is follow through and keep on moving on. Would you agree with that? I totally agree with that. And I think what you're talking about, if you think about it, is context and content. So commitment is context. It's like the shape of the bowl. Content is what you put in the bowl. So you can put in the bowl only what the shape of the bowl allows. And context always comes first. And context is who you're being. And commitment is about being. It's not about doing. It's about a stand. It's about I'm standing here. I'm being this. And that has to happen first, just like in your example of an architect. Now, what follows automatically is always what follows when you have context is only what's lined up can follow. In other words, we're congruent human beings. We have to act and speak according to what we're being. 
or we have to act and speak according to what our commitment is, because commitment is a part of what we're being. And so it's the old adage of most people think life works that first you have something, then you can do something, and then you'll be something. But how it really works is you have to be at first on the inner plane in the invisible world. It has to be a dream, and the dream has to be it's already happened. The dream can't be I'm going to get there because how life works is whatever the dream is, you will have the exact reflection in the world of reality. So if you're dreaming, I'm going to get there, what you're really being is not being there in the first place. And so what you're going to create is struggle, which is what not being there and trying to get there is all about. But if you can imagine the thing that you're wanting to commit to has already happened, and it's it's already exists in the dream world, then what happens is you you have to be congruent. Your actions and your language line up. And I tell people this example, you know, back when Christopher Columbus decided to explore the the Americas, there was an assumption or a belief or a commitment to the fact that the earth was flat. That's what people thought was so. That's what they held in their dream world, that the earth is flat. And not only was it flat, it had a big drop off. And not only did it have a big drop off, there's a big monster at the end of the drop off. So when Christopher Columbus goes down to the boat to get on the boat, his children, his aunt and uncle, his grandparents are not going to come down with a bottle of champagne and say, bon voyage, because the language isn't congruent. So, of course, if you can be at first and get the dream or the blueprint, then the other happens naturally. Yeah, but, you know, I'm writing stuff down like we we can agree that it's, you know, that ripple effect has great impact. And we can also say that, you know, action speaks louder than words and life mirrors our thoughts. And you are right. Ninety nine percent of people, in my opinion, struggle, but they're struggling from the life that that has presented to them over a lifetime and the subconscious steering wheel is guiding them through life so if you have someone that goes i want this and i know i have that and i can do it right and this is it but they still are in a sort of a holding pattern of up down up down up down how do they break past that well this is a great question first of all people think that they have to create something to be committed to but it's not, it, it's never a choice of whether you're committed. It's it's only what are you committed to? And people have unconscious, subconscious, like you're saying, kinds of commitments that they're unaware of. For example, people are committed to doing it easily or being comfortable or being pleasers or having people love them. I always tell my seminar participants, you guys, first of all, I want you to love me. However, I have a bigger commitment. My bigger commitment is I want you to grow. And if your growth takes you hating me, I'm willing for that to happen because my commitment first is to your growth, not to your loving me. But people aren't really clear on what they're committed to. And I I say, if you want to get real black and white about it and really play the game as if it matters and you are in a bet, and this is the bet you're making, then consider this. Whatever you have is what you're committed to. That shows you your commitment. 
because it's the end result of who you're being. Now, how do you change that? Well, that's a process, isn't it? And one of the the best things that I feel you've said is one of the secrets of the universe, which is to view the world as if whatever's happening is a gift. That it's in front of you, it needs to be in front of you, and you should welcome that and flow with it. So I kind of say life is like being on a surfboard and you better hang on if the waves are high and not sit up there and say, well, I wish the waves weren't this way. And I don't like the waves being this way. And I wish the waves were something else. And who's to blame for these waves? And this isn't comfortable and I don't like it. No, when you're on a surfboard and the waves are high, you don't think of any of that stuff. You just hold on and try to get to the sand. And that's life. You know, that is it as well, that if we can just stay in our lane and all the stuff that distracts us, you know, there's a dog with a fluffy tail running off that way or something on the news has triggered us this way. If we can sort of put the blinkers on and just stay in our lane, we can achieve more. But one of the things that you said to me there, which is look at your life and that's what you're committed to. And, you know, one of the things that we coach as well is to tell people, if you're, say, you're earning X amount, say 5000 or 10000 a month, and that's your comfortable zone. And if you go above that, you'll eventually pull yourself back down to that line. Or if you go below it, you'll pull yourself back to that. But it's trying to teach people to raise that line. So I call that the conscious line of belief. And to raise that above so they have a new commitment. So how, I'll ask you again, like, how do someone then who's listening to the show, they're in their 40s or in their 50s, they've, they are where they are. How do they get 40 years, you know, which is a lifetime, you know, and shift that in six months to have a better conscious commitment line? Oh, I love this question. So you know that diagram, there's a picture and it's the old woman and the young woman all in one picture. Okay, so what's great about that picture for me is it's a metaphor of life because they both exist, the old woman, ugly old woman, and the young, beautiful woman, they both exist at the same time. However, you can only see one or the other at any one instant, depending on your perspective. In other words, you you kind of have to change where you're looking from for the young woman to occur for you. And then you just got to adjust it a little bit, look from a different perspective for the old woman to occur for you. And I know that we can see both kind of at the same time if we like really discipline ourselves, but we're not seeing both at the same time. We're seeing a third thing, which is both at the same time. We can only see either of them one at a time in one instance or another. And that's the power of perspective. Depending on where you're looking from, something will show up for you. So what I think most people have done for their 40 years of being unconscious (laughs) and not realizing that maybe something else is possible is they look through a lens or a perspective of right and wrong, agree, disagree, good or bad. I don't look at the universe like that. I look at the universe as it just is. And if it's this way, what's next to produce the best result determined by where am I going? So it's not good or bad. Waves, when you're on a surfboard, aren't good or bad. 
But people say, I had a bad day. I had a good day. And the, if it was a bad day, I didn't, you know, able to do this. And and the truth of it is, is there's no bad or good days. It's just the day the way it is. And if you can confront what's so, then you can do what you're talking about. In other words, now I can see, hey, I can raise my limit, my line a bit. It's not that I have to be here. And, and also, I think that it's about really coming to peace with the way it is. Because people come to an event and they say, this isn't good. This shouldn't be this way. I wish this wasn't this way. How come it is this way? Who's to blame for it being this way? Rather than just saying, well, what way is it? Because if you can look at what's so, then you can say, okay, here's what I need to do to move the ball down the field. Okay, so it's best effort. So if you feel like everything is feeling, Okay, and our intuition is feeling, you know, there's a total difference between thought process and feeling. And I think feeling is that intuition that we get. And everything then is, you know, I, I believe that everything is built on truth, courage and being authentic. And, you know, it's not about love, hugs and kisses, even though <laughs> a new age may guide us in that way. And the feelings that you get that you kind of go, okay, I have a feeling I need to do this. But that feeling that you need to act now is three o'clock in the morning. And you, you know, and you can't be, or you're on the motorway and you get, oh, I just got a feeling to call such and such because this is part of, you know, me shifting on this surfboard. Like if I can't, I'll crash the car. So, you know, what happens when you get those sort of feelings in action? And you can't act on them because of the circumstances that you're in at the moment. Well, I think it comes back to commitment. And actually, are you going to have a result? Or are you going to have the reason you don't have the result? Yeah, but you, you know, sometimes, sometimes you get these great ideas or these commitments yeah. and you don't act on them. But you forget about them because yeah, life has dragged you into something <laughs> Oh, what was that? Well, that was a great copywriting <laughs> idea, and it's gone. <laughs> but that's isn't that kind of what flow is all about? Is yeah, you're right, and so you need to discipline yourself, and you need to learn, and you need to learn certain lessons, and you're on a journey. And you know, I love how McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey, says there's green lights, red lights, and yellow lights. Yellow lights are the choices. You know, you either you choose in that moment, do I slam on the brakes or do I push down on the gas pedal a little faster in this particular situation? I have a question then for you know all the people that you've mentored and all the people you've coached in in the leadership world, and you know if anybody can think of a name out there that is an influencer, they have been influenced by you. Okay. Um, what have you seen or how long have you seen it take for someone to have that change? Like, is it I think decades thing, or years or? Well, it's interesting because the change happens. It's kind of like this. If I'm holding on to this pen and I hold it. People will have to see that. So yeah, hold on to a pen. If you're holding on to a pen with your fist clenched around it, it takes a lot of effort and energy and time to keep it clenched. Now, the minute, the second, the instant that you let it go, that's 
when that change happens in that instant. So that kind of change that you're talking about happens in an instant and then accelerates. But the time that it takes to get to that instant where you're holding on with your fist so tight, 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 in other words, where you're not being truthful with yourself, where you're not being authentic, where you kind of learned a lesson, but you didn't took you three times to really get it this time. That takes a long time. And whatever that time is, is is for that person. But I found for all people, the instant part of the change happens with something explodes in the brain. Something takes away the old mindset and a new mindset is there. And that changes everything. And from that point, things can get better and and you achieve more. But, you know, it could have been 30 years to get to that point. Yeah, and I think it's a stepping stone to be when you're ready for that to happen. Yes, and, yes. And sometimes that shift can be that great night, you know, that dark night of the soul, or it can be something that you wake up one morning and you have a realization yes, that life absolutely. needs to change. Oh. Yeah. You know how I've been able to explain it to myself and others is there's kind of four major phases. And the first phase of your evolution of consciousness is where you are at the effect. The world is acting on you. So, you know, it's where I feel um, it's not fair. Um, You know, I can't get ahead. All the circumstances are against me. It's like the world has power over you and you feel like a victim. And that phase usually ends with some kind of bottom breakdown where where somebody it just gets so bad that you just go, oh, and something happens where you surrender. And in that moment of surrender, there's some kind of will that comes out where you say, I'm going to do this. It, enough of being a victim. I'm going to cause something. And that second phase is you now acting on the world where you're causing things, but it really has a mentality of for me, for me, for me. I want to get a house for me. I want to get a car for me. I want to be happier. It's all about me, me, me. Even though you're causing something and you're at a different evolution of consciousness. And and that usually goes until a person goes, is that all there is? There's some kind of insight where you go, you know, you got enough degrees, you got enough cars, you got enough wives, you, you know, you handled enough money, you, you got everything you said you wanted, and it was never what you needed to be satisfied. And so the question comes up, is that all there is? And there's some kind of change in that phase where you look for a higher purpose. Why am I here? What is this really all about? It can't be about money and houses. It's got to be about. And so you you commit yourself to a bigger thing. And in that space, it, it really starts to flow. Because you have a higher purpose for what it is that you're acting on the world and how you're being as a human being. And then I think there's a fourth phase. And that fourth phase is when the universe, whatever you call that universe, that higher power, sees that you're serious. And I say the universe looks for openings. And when the universe sees you're an opening for contribution in this world being a better place, what happens is the universe uses you. The fourth phase is really you have a higher purpose, but now you're being used. And it's 
one of those that many of us who have been in this work for a long time know that when we're on the wrong path, as much as we're determined to keep going on our own path, somehow the universe wins out and says, you're wrong, get over here where you're needed and can contribute. It, it evolves. I think it does because, you know, what I've noticed in the world at the moment is that the world is lacking joy. At the moment is the world broken because of all the crazy things that we are seeing in the world today. And I, I kind of look at it and it used to keep me up at night, but I also now look at it. That is, you know, sometimes you have to break eggs to make an omelet and have we as human beings cried out for so long that things need to change and things are changing and a process has to go beyond this. You know, the pendulum swings from one way to the next and back again. And But what I really sort of helped me was to understand that when you look within and hold a spark within us, all that external stuff doesn't have as much grieving power on you as it can have. Would you agree totally, with me on that? I would totally agree with you. I agree with most everything that you're saying. It's so great. Let's have this podcast again. <laughs> Mutual friends. And, uh, you know, but here's what I think about overall. Alignment trumps everything. So all of the things I've been sharing and all the things you've been sharing, if you can get the concept of alignment, which goes back to your inner power, which is if you can go to that place where you're still inside and get connected there and then line up with that. And if you notice when you're not lined up with that, you're out of alignment, things start breaking. And so always remember, get aligned first. Go back to who you really are. What is your higher self? Where are you coming from? Not where are you trying to get to? Where are you coming from? And I think what you said about the world being broken is true. And I think part of the, the thing that's happening right now is most of us have been able to say, the world's broken. Somebody, will you fix it? And most, you know, kind of got fixed. But now it's broken so much that if not, if every single one of us don't get really serious about doing our individual part to make sure this gets fixed, it's not about somebody else fixing it. It's about, I need to take an action. This world is not working. I need to do something. As a good friend of ours, we'll say, what are we going to do about it? Yeah, that's right. And that is the question. It starts with, and as you said in the very beginning of the show was, you know, it was one person or two people you were speaking to. And mm -hmm. it is about us just having conversations probably with ourselves first and then having those conversations with other people and that ripple effect then bringing some better decisions into the world. So, you know, from a, from a, business point of view or from a personal development point of view you know and in in this show we ask people about what was it they got getting wrong to get right what would have that been for you i think for me it's when i become attached 
and my attachment to the thing is bigger than my purpose. And sometimes I don't notice when I'm attached. I remember I started um, a very famous organization and I ran that organization and it came to the time where I could see intuitively I need to turn over. I need to duplicate myself. I need to turn it over and give it away. And that was hard for me to do. And I held on to that thinking, but I want to do it this way. It's my baby. It's this is my vision. This is my. And finally, I realized that. It, it, it That was wrong. For me to be attached. And so the attachment, I was getting that wrong. But it gave me the understanding that there is a ladder. There is a next step. And when we get stuck or attached or we think this is it, that perhaps we've got it wrong. And by letting go, even if it's painful and we didn't like it and we felt wrong, that maybe that was the best thing for everyone, including ourselves. What's your daily practices? My daily practices, I start by meditating and then I play with the kitties. I think that's really important to have the animals know that I love them. And I do my best to get movement, some breath work and some exercise walking. And I keep gratitude lists. I think it's good to focus on what we're grateful for. It keeps our mind cleansed. So those are some of my daily practices. I think, you know, gratitude is important. Commitment is important you know, taking action, all these things. There is so many different steps to take on a daily basis to move forward, to live a life of fulfillment. So have we left anything out? Well, I can't think of anything, but I, all I know is I want to talk to you more. <laughs> so maybe we can find something later too. Maybe we can find something as well. <laughs> Marsh, if someone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them? Your website or your LinkedIn profile or what? Best. best way is go to my website, marshamartin.com, and it's M-A-R-C-I-A-M-A-R-T-I-N.com. And all of my programs and opportunities to connect with me, you can find there and you can opt in and get on my email list for my newsletters and can find out about my programs that i lead so marshamartin.com and i think it's beautiful if someone jumps onto your website it's only ten dollars a month and they get all your content <laughs> and all the interviews and everything that you had as well which if people do want to jump on you know your website and check it out the value is is truly amazing okay. and what they will learn from your vast experience in this world as well so marcia Thank thanks you. for coming on the show Oh, and thank you for having me. God bless.